tension no more struggle no more challenges no more battle because there comes a time where you need to rest from your battle and God said after today you shall rest from your battle the battle of your marriage the battle of your business the battle of your finances the battle of your sickness the battle of your shame the battle of your disgrace the battle of your setback the battle of the pains you don't want to forget God said she will rest from your battle And now, today's message with God's servant, Reverend Ismaila Awudu, head pastor ICGC Yahweh Temple, East Dagon. Well, this morning, I'm taking you on a journey on the message, um, the disciple, on discipleship, the importance and the cost. Discipleship, the importance and the cost. In the midst of our serving God, in the midst of the euphoria, in the midst of the prophetic words, and all the miracles, we sometimes forget the very core reason why God saved you and I. In fact, apart from everything, the kingdom of God, God saved you so that we can save others. And if you read the book of Ephesians chapter 4, there is a mandate for the priest or the pastor or the five-fold ministry, and their work is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That is what the Bible says. He said, for the equipping of the saints... For the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. But the most important thing is the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Which means that every one of us has a calling and every one of us has a gift to be able to offer to our world. Jesus came as an individual, but in less than three years, he was able to raise 12 people, out of which we have Judas Iscariot, who also fulfilled his assignment and his promise. Because that was what he was, on the scheme of God, that is what he was supposed to have come to do. I don't believe Jesus will go on an all-night section to pray for a very long time and choose 12 and make a mistake. No, God never makes a mistake. Because it tells you of the importance of the enemy in everybody's life. Without you having an enemy in your life, you will never be careful with life. Without you being, having an enemy in, in your life, you will never progress or you will never aspire to push yourself to wherever you are getting to. Without you having an enemy in your life, you would, you would feel comfortable and relaxed. And you will not be so enemies are very, very important in our life. And God intentionally put it there because it keeps you on your toes and makes you to go on and become what you have to. The people you should always hate in your life are those that will not be able to tell you the truth. Um, we call them hypocrites. Hypocrites are very dangerous people to deal with. But your enemy makes it clear for you to know that this area is what I hate you. And as long as you don't want your enemy to get you, you are always wise and you are always keeping watch over your shoulders. And then the people that you also have to be careful not to associate with are your praise singers. Because praise singers also don't tell you exactly who you are. And they tend to be able to make you feel over bloated and over egoistic to feel that you have arrived when you are rather even sinking. And most times, the irony is that we rather love the praise singers and, and, and we love the hypocrites um, because we don't want to be told the truth. Amen. But it's important for you to know that God created all these things in place for you and I to aspire to become better. In fact, you and I will not steady or push ourselves if we don't have anything pursuing us. That is why when even look at psychologically or psychology or study psychology, you'll understand that Though anger, people can describe anger as a bad thing, but anger is not a bad precedent. Anger is a good thing that God factored into everybody's life. In fact, if you don't have an anger as a human being, then you're already dead. 
Because God factored anger in your system of mechanism as an adrenaline to be able to challenge you and to push you. So psychology says that the, on the pendulum of the scale, anger is a neutral position. Whenever it goes to the right, it motivates you. In fact, when you see anybody performing or achieving or encouraging or going forward, it takes the anger of not to fail to be able to move the person there. Anger is the key thing that motivates you to be able to be where you want to be. Without it, you will not be able to aspire and push yourself. Whenever you see anybody trying to give up in life and said he wants to kill himself, that person has lacked that adrenaline of anger to be able to push himself. Because anger makes you to defy your environment and to prove a point that you are going somewhere. Without it, you will not get there. But when it shifts to the negative, that is where you have what you call the destructive aspect of anger, which is not the right tool to use. So God gave us things that are positive in our life to use. But human beings, sometimes we turn it into a negative shift and destroy things. So it's important for us to know that foundationally, there are very key things that makes our life very vital and very, very important. Can I hear an amen in the house? In the same vein, when we come to Christendom, apart from all that we receive of the Lord, there is one thing that God desires of us is to be able to be equipped. You and I should be equipped that we will not only warm the pews, but we will also go out there to be able to have disciples of ourselves or to have people that we can call as our own. Are you there with me? So my work as a pastor is to disciple you, to equip you. Now, in equipping you, I am preparing you to also go out there, to also get others also that you can also equip. So the work is like a baton. I transfer to you, you transfer to another, another transfer to another. That is how it's supposed to be done. When you sit in church for a very long time and you cannot disciple anybody, you have a problem. Amen. So all the problems we are having in Christendom today and all the stress and the challenges is because people are not disciples. And whenever people are not disabled, they become amateurs. And when amateurs rise up into leadership, they create confusion. So this is where the problem is. Discipleship is very critical. And this morning, I'm taking you on that journey for you to understand what you and I are expected to do. I'm supposed to equip you that you are supposed to take it and become matured to equip another person. In heaven, our crowns have to be there. Though our soul will be saved, but our crowns have to be there. And our crowns comes out of our works. It comes out of our giving. It comes out of our souls we have won to the Lord to prove that when we also receive, we also bless other people's life. First of all, I want to read the book of John chapter number 15 from verse number 13. John 15. For verse number 13. Let me take from verse. Let me say, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you. This is Jesus speaking with the disciples. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. We cannot love one another until we understand the essence and the importance of discipleship. Because every human being tends to think of himself inwardly first before he looks outwardly. Are you understanding what I'm saying? And he says that greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do whatever I command you, no longer do I call you servants. 
For a servant does not know what his master is doing. So God or Jesus does not refer to us as servants. He refers to us as his friends. So Jesus called you a friend. Are you understanding me? Even when the devil came tempted, he called him a friend. He didn't call him an enemy. Are you there with me? So he says that, but I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I chose you. And I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you that you love one another. The key thing here is that I chose you. That means Jesus is the one that chose us. We didn't choose him. But he chose us. And in other words, he carefully selected us. He carefully, the word chosen there talks about to carefully select. So Bible says we are a chosen generation. That means out of the multitude, he came in and looked through and picked us. So yes, it therefore means that there are others that will remain. There are others that are there. But you and I were more special to him that he couldn't leave us among the crowd. He separated us unto himself. Now he separated that we will understand who he is so that we can be a good ambassadors of him and represent him in a worthy and in a good manner. Everywhere we find ourselves, you and I should not forget that we are ambassadors of Christ, representing who he is because he calls us his friend. Tell somebody you are a friend of Christ. Tell the person you are a friend of Christ. The next scripture I want to read is Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. I hope you are following me. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. This is what we call the Great Commission. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, after Jesus died and resurrected, he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore. Tell somebody, go therefore. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. All the nations simply means that beyond every nationality and tribe and language. All the nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. It is important for you to know that all the provinces of Asia Manor in those days um, and the Roman Empire and all those is Paul and others evangelized. Thomas was in India and he was able to win a lot of people and turn the place, a whole city around. Today when you look at the highest population of India, you realize that the highest population of India are Buddhists. They worship Buddha. Are you understanding me? Now what happened to the work of, of Thomas the evangelist going into the world to evangelize? It means that the fire died somewhere. Reason is because the church got comfortable and they were not discipling people. And they were excited. You go to Corinthians today, go to Corinthians, go to Athens, go to all those areas. They were all cities converted to Christianity. Today, majority of them are Muslims. Are you there with me? Constantinople, Alexandria, and all those places were Christian cities. In fact, the Bible was translated in Alexandria. We call it the Pentateuch. That was where the Pentateuch was written in Alexandria in, in Africa, in Egypt. Now, when you look at it today, we cannot boast of Christian presence or Christian existence. Islam has taken over. Fast. Statistics shows that Islam is gradually taking over the whole of Europe and the whole of the world at a very faster rate than Christianity. 
Now, what created a problem is sectarianism. When he talks sectarianism, in other words, people are more denominational conscious than going out to evangelize as a people. We are so comfortable in our pews that we start fighting. They first fighting themselves, one another, that they created a vacuum for the enemy to have an advantage to be able to take opportunity to change people into other religions or other faiths. Today, as we speak now, even when it comes to our nation, Ghana, you realize with all that is going on, gradually the essence and the influence of Christianity is dying. Nigeria was one of the African countries that was populated or was evangelized to be able to win in the northern part of, of Nigeria, Sokoto, Kanu, and all those places was turned over massively to Christianity. Right now, as we speak now, all those areas have been rained down. It will take Nigeria almost about 200 and something years to be able to return the northern states of Nigeria to a Christian fully fledged nation as it used to be. Why? Because we have allowed materialism and we have allowed other things to set in because the truth is not there. We are not being honest enough to disciple as the Lord taught us in this place. When you come to the northern part of Ghana, during the days of the slave trade and all those things, the northern part was evaded by the Islamic people and all those things. And you can hear about raiders and all that. But Christianity took over by advancement of the Catholic and other things, assemblies of God and everything. So the whole majority of that area was populated and was evangelized. Today, as we speak now, the essence and the importance of that place, as far as Christianity is there, is dying down. In a meeting in, the, in, 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 in one of the Europe countries, there was a whole planned strategy, just like the dividing of the nations of Africa, where they planned to be able to, Europe decided to have a meeting. Slave trade was not, uh, 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 what do you call it, incidental, but slave trade was planned. We call it the partition of Africa. So they decided to plan it and strategize it. So they entered into Africa. So if you watch slave trade very well, or if you watch colonization, colonization was strategic. You have English, you have French, you have English, you have French, you have English. It is for us to have what we call unforeseen dividing walls so that we will never be able to agree in terms of language. When you read, and this thing is taken from scripture, when you read the book of Genesis chapter 11, which we call the Tower of Babel, it is just to confuse our language so that Africa with all its potentials and ability can never stand. That is why when you go to the United Nations, the French dominate a lot. So you realize that AU, sorry, AU, when you go to AU, AU, the French dominator. So in AU, we still, Africa is not able to unite to be able to carry out its agenda. That is one of the things that killed Dr. Kwame Nkrumah very fast. Mobutu Seseko and all those people is because of this divide and rule system. And there is no way Africa can be united until we understand to break what you call the language barrier. Can I preach to you? This message continues after the break. From the ministry of Reverend Ismaila Awudu, get these life-changing, inspirational, and spirit-filled books. The Mystery of Greatness, At Thy Word, Church Membership, The Blueprint of Marriage, and any other ministry product of his. You can get these in electronic format by purchase through downloading Reverend Ismaila Awudu's app from the App Store or Google Play Store. You can also purchase this book and other ministry product at the ICGC Yahweh Temple, Otinshi American House Last Stop, East Legon. Reach us on telephone, plus 233-277-250420 or plus 233 
So in the same vein, Christianity as the light of the world was strategically positioned to deliver people. But however, the enemy also set in where we called after the seed were sown, tongues were also sown. So the world started growing and it began to choke the whole thing. So I've given you some cursory statistics about whatever is going on as far as Christianity is concerned. Don't let us feel comfortable to think that we are okay because it has evaded even into politics and into governance. And some of us are, are following politically blindly without even understanding and evaluating policies and even where the whole thing is going. The issue here about the politics of the world is more religious than it is more political. Amen. So it's important for us to understand the dynamics that gradually things are taking place because there's a sponsorship to be able to fit in in now. If you look at it, we'll sit back and think that people are in Zongo and all those they are not going to school. It's a lie. Right now, I can assure you that Muslim scholars are more than what you can think of. In fact, they are more knowledgeable even more than a Christian believer. Because I can use myself as an example when once upon a time I was a Muslim. In Bible knowledge, I had one, which is excellent. Distinction. Because we read the Bible just like we read the Quran. And we know everything about Christianity, but Christianity know less about us when we're there. Because the truth of the matter is that we blind the people as evil, and so we don't even want to know anything about them. Today, as you sit down, if a Jehovah Witness person should come to you, you run the person out of your home because the truth is that you don't understand that religion and you have not made your mind to even study and to know anything. It's so ironic that the people that are supposed to be the people of the light are rather shallow and they are not educated. And because of that ignorance, a lot of things are going on and we are being caught in our own web. And a time is coming where we don't even, we don't even have a voice. If we don't change our attitude to understand why Christ saved us. One of the greatest scholars of our time or who cannot be disputed as one of the greatest prophets is Jesus Christ. Because he studied. Bible says he grew in stature, in wisdom, in knowledge, in favor. Reading and studying was not lazy to Christ. But you find an average Christian today, as you sit down right now, if you want to take the statistics, only about 1% can be more knowledgeable in issues majority of us are ignoramus. Even when they are asking you to quote a scripture, you run away from it. But take a little boy, Muslim, I'm comparing because that's where I came from. He can be able to quote the Quran. If he can't quote anything, he can quote a whole surah for you or quote a fatia for you. And be able to explain and to interpret. Why? It's because we, we have become so comfortable and we don't yet know why and the importance of why we are called. Right from the pulpit to the pew, we are not studying and we don't know anything. If you ask anybody even what is going on in the world today, majority of people don't even know. I was watching CNN, we call it that my uh, 2020 vision. And the 2020 vision of CNN is for them to discover people who are projecting things into 2020. As we speak now, people are discovering things into 2020 and how we want 2020 to become. Including solutions to cancer, to advance technology and to everything. And they are practicing. And they are already gone ahead. We are here. We do our business the same old way. We do our things the same old way. The truth of the matter is that we don't know anything. Christ's essence for every average believer 
is to be able to preach the gospel and be able to win a soul and cast out a demon. As you sit right now, if I should give you the microphone and say, I'm sitting down for you to preach, you'll be fumbling. Even if I ask you to get the microphone and pray, there will be a problem. Or to cast out a demon, there will be a challenge. But the average believer as a disciple is not for you to be called a reverend minister or a pastor, but every average believer you should be able to cast out a demon. And that is your primary, primary responsibility as a child of God. So he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore. He didn't say sit down. He said go. As you sit this morning, if I should ask you, who is your soul in this church? What we know is that the pastor didn't visit me. I've been attending this church. Nobody even knows my house. Christianity is not like that. Paul says that Christianity is not bread and butter. You didn't get saved for people to know your house and visit you. Today, I want you to know. You got saved to go out and bring somebody. In fact, if nobody knows your house, Christ knows your house. It's a family of believers. Where we come together and share the word and go out there and reach out to others. In fact, you should be more motivated yourself to be able to encourage another person. But if at this time you have been a Christian from day one and you have spent your faith in the Lord for five years, ten years, whatever, and you still are behaving like a babysitter, you are offended by any little thing, it means that you have to check your Christianity. And the problem that killed the fire of Christianity in this world I've given you is all because of the fact that Christians want to be pampered. So when they brought them milk, they brought them money, they brought them clothing, they brought them visitation, they brought them food, they neglected their faith and followed other things because they had what you call religion of convenience rather than having religion of conviction. And if you look at our world today, a lot of us says we are believers, but we are having religion of convenience than religion of conviction. And that is where the devil comes in. So he says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father. Did you see the name of a pastor there? Do you see the name of a bishop there? In your office, do they even know that you are a Christian? No. When was the last time you spoke to somebody about Jesus? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The next point says, teaching them to observe all things. How can you teach if you yourself you don't know? Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And where did Jesus command that? He commanded it from the word of God. So if I don't know the word of God, how can I teach the person about what Jesus commanded? And he said, lo, I am with you always even to the end of what the age so discipleship is very very critical but the question is that do we really know who God has called us Luke chapter 9 verse number 23 can you give me that scripture he said then he said to them all 
If anyone desires to come after me, how many of you desire to follow Jesus? If anyone, the greatest miracle you can have is what I'm teaching you today. Because you see, the more souls you win, the more easier it becomes for you to have access. Or you don't do. <laughs> can you imagine you winning your boss to Christ? Who doesn't know Christ? Do you think you can ever be fired from the job? Have you thought of that? Can you imagine you being able, because you see, you are closer to somebody that you can influence than I can influence. Can you imagine being able to win your business partners and and, and disciple them to know Christ? Do you think they will be able to cheat you in business? They'll be honest to you. And they'll give you more business. Can you imagine you dealing with your client and be able to win your client over to Christ? You keep them forever. And bringing them to church. And making sure they remain. Your, your, your worries becomes is dealt with. So you see, winning source is an advantage to us. It's just like I am here with you. If I should pick my phone and call you and you are in the charge of something. And I tell you I needed this. Will you refuse me? That is the benefit. So when Christ says save a soul, it is not to his advantage, it is your advantage. So then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So there is the need for us to take our cross. The cross there is our responsibility. The responsibility to get a soul. The enemy has made us busy to think about praying, dealing with our marriages, dealing with our looking for money, going for job, looking for... Meanwhile, when we deal with the soul, the soul solves all these problems. Can you imagine if you have been able to win people for Boko Haram and the ISIS and everything? Do you think we would have had ISIS and Boko Haram today? So winning souls gives, put, gives us peace than gives us war. Luke 14, 26 to 35. He said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, can you see the convenience thing there? And my wife, and my children, and my brother, and my sister. That is it. He said, and does not hate. I'm not the one saying it. He's saying it. The word hate there is a positive thing. In other words, you don't allow those things to influence your direction and your goal of winning a soul or saving a life for Christ. He didn't say hate them in negative sense. And his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. In other words, if you can't put winning a soul ahead of these things, then you don't qualify to follow me. And he says in 27, he says, and whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it. Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all see begin to mock him. Some of us get up to do things without even calculating. You don't plan. This is planning. Planning is in the Bible. And planning is key. Before you went to school to go and do project management to learn planning, planning is already here. So the Bible has everything that you go to learn. 
saying this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him. Who comes against him with 20,000? Or else while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So mediation is here. Diplomacy. International relations people here. It's in the Bible. So likewise, that is why you see, you can never be shallow minded if you study this thing called the Bible. You become knowledgeable in every branch, in every area. Sometimes people ask me, how do you read? I read the Bible more. He says, so likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that as he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if the salt lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? And 35 said, it is neither fit for the land nor for the dunghill, but men throw it out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So when we don't do these things, all that is trying to say is that we lose our value and we lose our importance. If we don't win a soul, if we don't disciple anybody, our value as a Christian, we lose it. And we lose our importance. I don't know whether you want to lose your value or you want to lose your importance. Amen. So somebody will ask me then for that. So pastor, with all this, who is a disciple? And that is where I'm bringing you. The word, the Greek word for disciple is matetis. Matetis which means one who learns instruction from another. One who learns instruction from another. It was used in the secular Greek and I've told you already, you are learning from me. I'm instructing you. Jesus instructed us. I'm instructing you. You also have to go and instruct somebody. Do you get it now? He says, it was used in the secular Greek world for an apprentice to a tradesman. Apprentice to a tradesman. A disciple was not only a people, but an adherent, an errant, somebody who hears. Hence, they were spoken of as imitators of their teachers. They imitated their teachers. In other words, if you look at my life, I have to be like Christ. If I look at your life, your life has to be like that. Are you understanding me? Paul says that, imitate me as I imitate what? Christ. So, it is incumbent on us. That is why Bible says that nobody should take it upon himself to be a teacher. Because we shall be strictly that. It is incumbent upon us who was who the microphone to instruct as the instructors to be able to live an upright life so that the people we instruct also will live an upright life. So the key thing here is that immediately you win a soul, you become the standard of the soul. So the soul now looks at your conduct to live his life. So if you are insultive or you are a liar, or you are inconsistent, the soul can question you. So the soul serves as a check on the instructor. Do you, do you understand what I'm trying to mean? So winning a soul becomes an advantage for us to live an upright life. Without a soul, there is no a check. So you are my check. So anywhere I stand, if I'm conscious of you and I have conviction, then you become my check. Because my life has to stand upright for you so that you can also be able to imitate me just as I'm imitating what? Christ. Do you not get it? So if my life is contrary, then it challenges me because you will learn of me. 
So you'll be like me. But the question here is that, are you like me? Ask yourself. So, these are some of the things that comes to discipleship. The disciple is like his master. The apprentice goes to learn a skill from the tradesman. So, at the end of the day, the apprentice work is just like his boss. Though he can do better and polish, but you can see a trace of his boss in his life. Did you agree with me? Okay. So, that is the reason. And that's why Jesus said, you are not my servant, but you are my friends. A disciple was not only a people, but an adherent. Hence, they were spoken of as imitators of their teachers. Every Christian is called to be a disciple of Jesus. And this means they will follow Jesus and put their claims of Jesus first in their lives. That's why he said, if you love father and mother and children more than me, you are not worthy as my disciple. In other words, all that he's trying to say is that, when he says it, all that he's trying to say is that, put me Christ first before father, mother, and everybody. In other words, it is important for you to know that Christ is more important than going to family and all that. That is why I can risk leaving a family and accept Christ and don't care about the risk factors and still be for the Lord. Are you understanding me? But if I look at the family convenience, I should have been with my people. But as far as salvation is concerned, I chose to be with Christ than to be with them. Now, by the grace of God, they are with me. Are you understanding me? What it means is that when you leave that thing, when you leave everything and follow Christ, Christ will give you those things that you are looking for. That is the secret. And so he says, so those of us chasing for money, chasing for this, chasing for business, chasing for boyfriend, chasing for girlfriend, chasing for marriage, chasing for children, chasing for... Chase Christ and all these things will follow you. 